I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime New England. What's up, everybody? Hello. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining us on this blistering hot day. It's actually probably not that hot, but I have hot blood, so <laughs> I am miserable. I love it. It got up to 80. Oh, oh God. I was so happy. Miserable today. I will say I got, I drive around a lot for my job. I'm a visiting nurse now for a hospice organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so I drive around a lot and I will say that my left arm is sunburned mm-hmm. and very freckled because I am a ghost. Yes, you are. So Respectfully. I will be wearing sunscreen for my job apparently now. You might have to. Yeah, seriously. And you know, I normally hate the sun, period, but- I also am on I'm on doxycycline. Earlier this week, I may have been putting a steak knife into the dishwasher, and it fell. It landed tip first in my toe crotch, <laughs> and it sliced open, not deep enough for stitches, but it was a dirty knife, so it sliced open my a part of my foot, and it, the next morning, it started getting really red around it, so I had to go get antibiotics and also a tetanus shot, because I didn't know when my last tetanus shot was. I was, was. going to ask you about a tetanus shot. Yep, sure did. And doxycycline famously makes you really photosensitive and yes. also really prone to like sunburns and stuff. And on top of my being hot just by being alive, I've been miserable. Just miserable. But I found some solace today with some great news in the true crime world. Katie, are you familiar with Lori Vallow? No. She has a Netflix, there's a Netflix special called The Sins of Our Mother. And it's the woman, this was in like, within the last like four years, she killed her daughter and her son because she met like this man that she was into the end of the world. She thought the world was ending. Oh dear God. She met this man, Chad Daybell, who's an author and she started dating him really quickly. And all of a sudden her children disappeared. His current wife died. Um, her husband at the time was suddenly killed. Yeah. So, and then, a few months later, they found the two children's bodies. Tylee was her daughter. She was like 16. And then JJ was seven, <gasps> something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so she, they killed them and buried them in his backyard and then moved to Hawaii and got married. And this, of course, is after her current husband died, was shot and killed, rather. And then his current wife died suspiciously. I don't think sh- she was... Maybe she was shot and killed. She was not. It was very obvious. It was she was killed. So they were arrested and she's all like, no, I would never blah, blah, blah. It was a whole thing. Well, she's been on trial for the past few weeks. And today they finally ended the trial and reached a verdict. Finally. Oh, shit. Yes. So as of this afternoon on the day we're recording, she was found guilty of murdering her children and conspiring to kill her husband, the one she killed their kids mm-hmm. with. His first wife, Tammy, was her name. Mm-hmm. So she's guilty. She has not been sentenced yet, but I'm sure she will go away for life. She was originally up for the death penalty, but her lawyers were able to get that off the table. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Isn't that awful? Oh, my God. Sad. Really fucking sad. I recommend highly the... 
Netflix special. It's a three episode docuseries, The Sins of Our Mother. I watched it a few weeks ago. It was very well done. It has a lot of interviews with her oldest son. Uh, I cannot think of his name right now, but he was, he was like in his early twenties and he's married now and like all this. He's a very sweet guy. And he talks about their conversations and like the inside knowledge he had just knowing his mom being like, where is my brother and my sister? Yeah. Wow. And then you also learn about there's like body cam of police of the husband that she killed, had killed Charles, I believe was his name. And he's called the police saying like, I haven't heard like a, she has my kids. She won't let me see them. I'm really scared. She's going to hurt them. And then a little while later he was shot and killed by her brother who then was killed. He, or he died of a suspicious circle. So many people were dying around her after she met this dude. It was Holy really suspicious. Hell. It's very good. It's very well done. I'll definitely check it out. Very, very interesting. But I thought that was great news to hear that she was guilty because she was. Mm-hmm. And she really thought the world was going to end, which is f- nuts. That is some <laughs> serious mental illness. If you a doomsday prepper, okay, I can somehow see the logic in that to an extent. Sure. Fine. Be prepared, whatever. I, too, should probably have a stockpile of things because we live in New England. Right. Even for a snowstorm or something, I should have a better stockpile. Be more prepared, whatever. Same. If you genuinely are convinced that the world is going to end, like, tomorrow and you start murdering people left, right, and center, that is such a form of mental illness. You really need help. And I always find it so ironic because they're like, the world is ending. The sky is falling. Oh, my God. Then you kill someone and you go to prison. Right. You're not wrong that your world just ended. Right. Why do you have to take other people with you? I just will never understand that. Because she really, at that point, she's not wrong. Like, the world is ending, but just for her. Right. Because you were going to rot behind bars. Yep. And she deserves it. Absolutely. She's a pretty blonde, like, young mom, like, cheerleader mom type, like, you know, gorgeous, acting very, like, what? I didn't, what? Me? Like, very innocent looking. So I'm really glad to hear that she's going to be away for the rest of her Definitely, because those are the ones you got to watch your back on, because you don't look at them and see a cold-blooded killer. You look at them and see, like, a soccer mom. Absolutely. Those are the ones you got to watch your backs for. Yep. And she got so crazy so fast. She was always religious, but when she started getting into the doomsday thing, she really got into it. And this man, as soon as she met him, she was suddenly, like, obsessed with his ideals, and he was always, like, a doomsday prepper. That was his thing. And they just instantly... And in this docuseries, they show their texts, and, like, it's very interesting. So I definitely recommend it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Similarly, today... Our case does involve children. Nobody was murdered, which is always great, but instead they were inflicted with lifelong PTSD. So it's a very difficult case. If you guys are sensitive or triggered by abuse, sexual, physical of a minor, I would recommend scooting along to the next episode. It is pretty rough, and there are some graphic descriptions in this episode. Regardless, if you are comfortable, as in, like, you can listen to this kind of thing, definitely stick around. I think this case is wild. It's also very reminiscent to me of our Spotlight episode, episode 24, where we talked about the Boston Globe's Spotlight team uncovering a huge undercover cover-up 
of the sexual assault, the mass sexual assault on hundreds of children by members of the Catholic Church. Right. This is pretty similar. It was not the Catholic Church themselves touching children. No. But it was a cover-up, essentially, by the Catholic Church. So if the mention of church also upsets you, not the episode for you. That is valid. Yes. Yeah, valid. Don't blame you. See you next week. Yeah. It's pretty rough. And, you know, as we stated in our last episode, the – well, it was Julianne McCreary. She killed her six-year-old son. If you're also sensitive to, like, crimes against minors, like, it's really intense. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think because – they're such a vulnerable, helpless population. It makes it hits harder. Definitely. And without further ado, today we will be covering Dr. Dr. George Reardon. All right. Per usual, we will start with our sources. Katie, please inform me of your sources today. Oh, I thought you would never ask. Oh. Really? After 94 episodes, you didn't know that I was going to ask you for your sources? <laughs> I have a good one to start us off with. You do. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Mm, tastes delicious. <laughs> I also have NBC Connecticut, CBS News, bishopaccountability.com. Oh, we might have to donate to them, honestly. Mm-hmm. And the Hartford Current Times 2. Great. I, myself, had Wikipedia. I had NBC Connecticut. I also used it. An article from Bishop Accountability. Beautiful. Probably, actually, it was very informative. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I also had an article from The Constantine Report, CT Mirror, The Chicago Tribune, and Find Law. In which I had a yeah. case document, baby. Always a good day when you got Wikipedia and a case law. Oh, guys. God, I'm so... Strap in. I'm so excited. Kitty. Why don't you start us off? Dr. George Reardon was a physician at St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center in Hartford, Connecticut, from 1963 to 1993. This hospital was run by the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Hartford. Already bad news. Correct. Early on in his career at the hospital, George had multiple accusations made against him regarding inappropriate behavior, most notably towards children. Oh, which, oh. and you said it was associated with the Catholic Church? Mm-hmm. Remind me? Oh, okay. Yeah, just, maybe just a coincidence. You know, they, they've never had anything to do with inappropriate behavior towards children. Never. No. Not that I can think of. It's crazy. Yeah. George actually had begun his career in Albany, New York in the 1950s, and this is also where he began his career as a pedophile and serial child molester. Oh, at the same time. Wow, that's hmm. another right. coincidence. That is must be. Very, very coincidental, yes. In 1970, George received a letter from the Hartford County Medical Association where they recommended he take extra precautions and have someone else present with him while he was providing care so that he could prevent future accusations. Yikes. Maybe if you need to recommend to someone that they need to have an extra set of eyes while they're providing patient care... They should not be providing patient care. Agreed. I just, uh, maybe an unpopular opinion. I don't really know. But yeah, that's- yeah. I don't know. I feel, I feel weird about you saying that. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> George did not give a fuck about this letter. 
He continued to go about his work, which involved conducting studies on sexual growth and bringing children alone into a room with a bed and a camera. It was also revealed that he had taken children on trips to motels or camping, and he wrote this off as being part of his study on sexual growth in adolescents and minors. George, despite all of this, climbed the ranks in the hospital and actually became the chief of endocrinology in 1978. Now, here's the thing about endocrinology, for those of you who don't know. If you do know what it is, it might make sense why a doctor who is the chief of endocrinology would be studying sexual growth. That is exactly what endocrinology is. Hormones. So that makes sense. But I'm going to give like an, like kind of a breakdown for you guys, an example. Endocrinology is the study of the endocrine system, which is where your body produces hormones that help regulate the functions of being a person. So, for example, like the pituitary gland in your brain produces hormones such as melatonin, which we all mostly know is what makes you sleep. Also, the pituitary gland produces the hormone prolactin, which initiates a milk supply for breastfeeding mothers. And it also releases growth hormone, which just as easily as its title, helps the body grow. Interestingly enough, the endocrine system is also responsible for the hormones that come from the ovaries and the testes, which of course becomes the most prominent during puberty. So I, th- it's obvious that that was his in to focusing on children and probably at the ripe ages of what he wanted and what he had sexual attracting to. Because that's exactly when puberty is starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. George's abuse continued until he was forced to resign in 1993, following repeated accusations and allegations of molestation and child abuse. During this time, multiple witnesses actually came forward and testified in front of the Connecticut State Medical Board and said George took sexually explicit photographs of them as he was molesting them in his office. Despite multiple allegations, he was never charged with anything, and in 1995, he was finally prohibited from practicing medicine in the state of Connecticut or otherwise. So literally, don't ever practice medicine again. You lose a doctor in front of your name. Yeah. As you should never have received in the first place. Right. The asshole got off scot-free after dying of a heart attack in 1998 at the age of 68. Apparently, he was a chain smoker, so this is really not a shock, but... Mm. I think a quick death of a heart attack is a little too quick for him. Way too kind. After his death, everything seemed to go quiet. Mm -hmm. No one really seemed too concerned about the horde of children saying that this man, a doctor, Mm -hmm. molested them. And no one spoke again about the photos that these kids had talked about that this man had taken of them while he was molesting them. Yeah. Until 2007. Oh, 2007. Okay. Well, let me tell you what happened in 2007. Like you said, Katie, nobody really, I think, even believed these children, which happened a lot with, like, the priests in the Catholic Church that we talked about, because they're priests. This is a doctor. How? There's no way in hell he would molest children. Right. He's a man of authority with a reputation. Absolutely. Well... Like you said, that all kind of came to fruition when in November of 2007, a homeowner in Hartford, Connecticut, began to renovate their home on Griswold Drive. This was taking place in their basement. Upon the beginning of the renovation, 
they began to pry apart paneling and break down walls, and they discovered a part of the basement that had what they realized was a false wall. And so when they cracked that puppy open, they made a really fucking disgusting discovery. Once opened, the renovators discovered roughly 50,000 35-millimeter slides and more than 100 video reels. What was on these slides, you ask? Child pornography. All of those pictures that he had taken of those children that they had been saying for years this happened, it was all right there. And the police immediately knew who this stash of pornography belonged to. So the renovators purchased this home in 2003. Before that, someone else lived there. But the people that were before the renovators bought the house from none other than Dr. George Reardon. So, of course, the police were like, oh, shit. This this is obviously, okay, it's all lining up. We're going to have a photo of the discovery mm. of the wall knocked down and just an unfathomable amount of boxes of Kodak film stashed behind this wall. It's insane. It took authorities days to remove all of it. Mm -hmm. And when they had the evidence, they decided they would have to attempt to identify the victims. Which was, again, 50,000 35-millimeter slides. 50,000. That must have been... I can't even fathom. Because now you're looking at child pornography by association. Like, you have to. Right. And you have to look at each one of those photos individually. And there's 50,000 of them. Yeah. Child porn. I can't imagine having that job. Especially because it's probably safe to assume at least some of those officers on the case had children of their own. Right. By March of 2011, 250 victims had been identified and notified. One of them had come forward and said George had abused them on 20 separate occasions. That's horrifying. That's horrifying. And when you're a child, too, you don't know what's happening. Right. You're being told by a doctor, a trusted professional, yeah. that it's part of a, a study, mm -hmm. a medical exam. You're going to be helping people. This study is going to generate research that's going to help kids. Just like we saw in our spotlight case that we talked about in our intro, with the sheer abuse of power, this is no different. Right. No different. And I remember as a kid, my parents telling me, no one should touch you in those areas except for a doctor. Right. To make sure that you're okay. Right. And they said, we'll always be in the room with you. We're never right. going to leave you alone. But they said, if anyone touches you, they said, wear your bathing suit covers. If anyone touches you in those areas, yeah. you come and tell us because that is not okay. Yeah. It's only okay if a doctor or a trusted medical professional does that to make sure that you're safe and you're okay. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, I mean, I can see why these children would be like, this is exactly what mom told me. Right. Or this is for medical purposes or I'm just a kid and I don't know any better. Right. So awful. Yeah. One of the victims said that he met Dr. George Reardon at a judo club. He said he did not want to be part of the sexual growth study but he felt very pressured into it by a powerful and well-respected doctor. He said George sexually abused him as well as another boy from the judo club. And he convinced the two boys to be photographed together 
because he told them he wanted to save film. Now, I thought this would be a good time to mention that, you know, it obviously, when you're doing a research project in a hospital or for a company, they're funded, typically. It's how you start the the project. At the time, perhaps assuming nothing could go wrong, St. Francis Hospital paid for the film, the flashbulbs, the equipment, and even the chemicals required to develop the films in order to for George to rape these children and take pictures of them nude. Apparently, Reardon had submitted hundreds of order requests for film and other supplies relating to his research. Reardon claimed that the purpose of his research was, quote, to measure the growth rates of normal children to assist in the treatment of children with abnormally low rates of growth. The study, of course, it was approved by the hospital, and it was funded by them. And he openly used this money to buy film and all that I just listed. But he also, I'm dead serious, used the money to buy two books on erotica, as well as one entitled, I shit you not, quote, The Juvenile Homosexual Experience and Its Effect on Adult Sexuality. He purchased that with the hospital's fund, like grants for his research. Now I have the breakdown for the the money. Apparently, according to court documents that they discovered later, the reimbursement Reardon got from the hospital to purchase all this equipment at the time was $18,000, which roughly translates to, like, 2010 time, $54,000. Yeah. To buy instruments to make his child pornography and abuse children. Yeah. And this is a Catholic hospital, might we remind you? Yep. So a lot of that money was probably from donations from the public. 100%. It sounds like it was a St. Jude situation. Like, oh, we have to – this hospital takes in anyone, and they won't deny care to anyone, even if they can't pay. Yeah. Let's donate. Let's do something good. Yeah. 100%. Wow. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously, so he had to explain to the board, or at least he was, they do that now, what he was doing. And I said, you know, his mission was, you know, measuring growth rates, comparing them. He also implied to the parents of the children of the study that he would be doing things like measuring their limbs over time, okay? Measuring their wingspan over time. All right, that makes sense. But obviously, we learned that that literally could not even be further from the truth. Like, that is so far from the truth. He's in Connecticut, and the truth is in literally Tokyo. Like, it just does not, it's not even close. No. Another victim had come forward after he was notified that he was in the photos, and he said he was molested brutally by George alongside his brothers. Yeah. He said George would take them out to get ice cream after. That's awful. Which is really chilling because, again, in the spotlight episode we covered, Mm -hmm. that was what one of the main perpetrators did was he targeted a family, molested a little boy and all of his brothers, and took them out to get ice cream after to placate them, let them know it was okay, give them kind of a reward for going through that behavior, and to shut them up. Yep. Absolutely. 
West Hartford police had notified him that they had about 100 pornographic photos of him that George took, not including his brothers, him alone, a hundred. How disturbing. George would schedule appointments on weekends or after hours to help conceal what he was doing. With him being at the hospital and also being a doctor of high status, he grew as he climbed the ranks to have a lot of freedom. A lot of the kids were his own patients because their parents had consented to have their kids be part of the growth studies. He also recruited a lot of kids when he was out and about in the hospital from the neighborhood or from the judo club like those other two boys were. Right. Some were patients at the hospital for different diseases or treatments mm -hmm. that he had made to participate. He was going into children's hospital rooms when they were there for something completely different. They were at the hospital. Right. And he was like, you would be great for my study. Mm. He probably had access to their charts and their medical records, too. I wonder if he was able to kind of cherry pick uh -huh. who he wanted based on age. I'm sure. Two of the kids in the photos were his paper boys. Ugh. Yeah. I just want everyone to keep this in mind that he's doing this research and there are formal complaints being filed against him saying that he's doing these things. And he practiced doing, he was doing this stuff for easily 30 years and nobody stopped him. In fact, in 1987, the first public complaint came forward. A brother and a sister filed the first two public complaints, like I said, against Reardon, in which they claimed he had abused them between the years of 1956 and 1961 during his time as a doctor in Albany. The pair were five years old and seven years old, respectively. In 1989, a woman in Hartford came forward and said that Reardon had abused her at the age of 10, roughly 14 years earlier. In 1993, a fourth complaint was made as a woman made a claim that Reardon sexually abused her when she was 14. And it took until the fourth complaint, over six years after they started coming in, that they looked at examining his license and made that decision to say, hey, practice within, you know, above 18 years old. Okay, buddy, we're trying to help you here. Like, what? That's so awful. Like, they blatantly ignore it. Right, and they're acknowledging that he is abusing children, because they're like, okay, yeah, so you are now only allowed to see patients who are 18 years and older. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, I don't think so. I'm going to tell you guys now a few of the prominent cases that came forward with detail about what Dr. George Reardon did to these children. Warning, it can be pretty graphic. It's very disturbing. One of the most prominent cases that was eventually brought to trial, and this, of course, is after he's dead, was about from a man who first saw Reardon in 1969 with his sister. At this time, John, I'm going to call them John and Jane Doe, John was eight and his sister Jane was 10. Their mother dropped them off and was told to return in two hours. During the first session, Reardon had the siblings get undressed and then positioned Jane on the floor and had John, quote, help get better angles of his sister's genitals while Reardon took photos. John Doe saw Reardon three more times between 1969 and 1972. During these visits, John was photographed with nude, again, with Jane, this time in sexually explicit poses. On the last visit, when John was 12, he was paired with another young boy, a random boy that he did not know, and together Reardon forced him to undress, performing oral and hand manipulation on his genitals. 
Yes. And that is John Doe and his sister Jane Doe. That was their, you know, their lawsuit. Another man, his name was William Rowe, came forward and claimed that in 1967, at 12 years old, Reardon had him and his three brothers participate in his study. And it might be that it's definitely possible he probably did this to more than one group of brothers. Rowe was told by Reardon that the study involved exciting him and measuring his growth, followed by Reardon fondling his genitals until he ejaculated. Again, this is a 12-year-old boy. Being told that this is all okay, it's part of the research that you're doing for the society. Kevin Hunt, a man who was recruited by Reardon at 13 in 1970, claimed that he was paired up with a random boy, and together Reardon forced them to pose in sexually explicit positions for five to six hours. Yep, five to six hours. Reardon also had the young boys stimulate each other, and then Reardon himself fondled their genitals. Apparently, when the session was over, Reardon drove them home, but not without buying them each a model car at the store. First. Oh. My. Fucking God. Mm-hmm. Yep. Insanity. And that was just three examples of what this man was doing to these children. And there were 50,000 photos. Mm-hmm. There are not just, what, five or six kids in those photos? Like, no. Hundreds. We're talking hundreds, hundreds of children mm-hmm. having this done to them by one man. Yep. Nauseating. Absolutely. Police officers that had to investigate the case after the images were found said that the photos were all of children posing in sexually suggestive ways. Images of children with objects inserted into them and photos of children naked, either alone or with other children. Victims told police that they were forced to inappropriately touch themselves as well as other children, even kids they didn't know, which you said exactly. Yeah. As police worked to identify the victims in the photos, it was determined that a lot of them struggled after the abuse They dealt with substance abuse issues, difficulty forming and maintaining healthy relationships, and several of the victims had either attempted or completed suicide. That's terrible. And that is something, you know, even as a kid, you might not remember that. You might repress it because Mm -hmm. your brain does a very good job at trying to help you not have to remember and endure that trauma. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these kids, when that happened to them, they didn't realize it was wrong. They were told it wasn't wrong. Mm -hmm. So they went about their lives and they probably had those memories repressed. They probably repressed them intentionally. They dealt with so much trauma in their adult lives as a result of this. And then can you imagine if you had no recollection of that and then you're getting a phone call saying, hey, we found 50,000 photos of child porn in this guy's basement behind a false wall and you were on 75 of them and you need to come down to the station because we recognized seven-year-old you in these photos being actively molested yeah that's devastating what the fuck yeah and these people are all well into adulthood i mean if they're being molested abused in the 50s 60s 70s and they're getting a phone call in 2007 to 2011 yeah They could very well have their kids of their own. Right. Families of their own, lives of their own. Yeah. So if they had no recollection of this, and a lot of them said, 
I have no recollection of this. Yeah. I suppressed that. Yeah. Having it all come rushing back, devastating. Absolutely. The hospital, of course, was accused of failing to monitor George, especially because he never once faced any criminal charges. Not once. Lawsuits were flooding in, especially from victims who had no memory of the sexual abuse and were either informed or reminded of what happened. Right. By May of 2011, there were over 85 cases of sexual misconduct and abuse that were being filed, not only against Reardon, but the hospital itself. The argument of all 85 plaintiffs suing the hospital claimed that, quote, the hospital knew or should have known, quote, that the studies Reardon was conducting were completely bogus and were excuses for him to abuse children. The lawsuits use the term bogus. Like, come on. It's so obvious that this man is just molesting children. He bought a book called Childhood Homosexuality Experiences and, like, what? And that's insane to me, too, because given that that is on the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Archdiocese dime. Yep. And knowing how the Roman Catholic Archdiocese feels about homosexuality. That's what I was wondering. But they don't give a fuck because, oh, they're little children. Mm -hmm. They're little kids. Yeah. Yeah. They condone, and we know this, they condone child abuse. They condone child sexual abuse, pedophilia, molestation. Yeah. And covering it up is what they And covering it up with their astronomical resources, funds. I mean, if they can give a doctor $54,000 in today's money to buy film. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Right. The victims filing the lawsuits were suing for more than $100 million in damages, claiming that it was because of the hospital that Reardon's fake study was allowed to continue and for so fucking long. Of course, the entire time the hospital claims it was never aware (laughs) of what Reardon had been doing and that they had no reason to know that it would turn out to be something like that. In fact, well, they argued they, as in St. Francis Hospital, that the police detective of West Hartford, Captain Donald Melanson, could not accurately testify that the photographs found were pornographic, and that endocrinologists might, quote, legitimately photograph naked children, including their genitalia, for legitimate purposes. Okay. Yes. In, for studies, like, of, like, a normal appearing or, like, a diseased part of the genital, not in sexually explicit positions, not paired with other children, not shown with them having things shoved up their anus or in their vagina, or, like, the accounts of him, and there's probably videos and pictures of him fondling them, ejaculating. Thank you. I was gonna say, can we zoom in on the probably hundreds of photos where the doctor's own hand yes. is ejaculating a minor? Yes. Right? Exactly. There are instances where that may be appropriate to photograph for legitimate science. Yes. That, the things that he was doing, as evidenced by the photographs, were anything but scientific and backed up by that. They were pornographic. They were abuse. He was documenting his abuse. Easily. And the fact that a hospital could say, but you can't say they were pornographic, okay? He was an endocrinologist. Like, are you kidding me? Right. And that's not even including 
the allegations that were being made against him that the medical board sent him a letter saying, hey, there's these allegations. You may want to have someone else be in the room with you to avoid future allegations against minors. Like actively acknowledging that there are children coming forward and saying, hey, this doctor made me feel uncomfortable because he touched me where I'm not supposed to be touched. Right. The hospital released a statement saying that they were sorry for the victims and their families. Oh. Hospital spokesperson Tina Verona, fuck you, Tina Verona, stated, Matters involving Dr. Reardon occurred nearly 15 years ago and would have involved individuals who are no longer at St. Francis. Because of this, we are not able to respond to questions as to what happened at that time. Bullshit. That's actually so interesting because I think you know exactly what happened at that time and you absolutely should be responding to questions. 100%. By March of 2008, there were 135 plaintiffs involved mm-hmm. in lawsuits against the hospital. Jesus Christ. It was also discovered during this lawsuit that reports had been filed against Reardon in both 1964 and 1970, and St. Francis claimed that they knew nothing about these until 1993 when he was put on trial for the other, the, like we already talked about. Yeah, they had no idea about their own doctor. And all these sexual misconduct allegations? Yeah, sure, you had no fucking idea. Yeah, right. Ridiculous. The hospital continued to deny any wrongdoing or fault of their own and stated, quote, We believe that we have proven that Dr. Reardon was a master manipulator, correct, who deceived his patients, their parents, and his colleagues. I mean, not wrong. (laughs) We are prepared to prove that again in court as necessary. Meaning they're, that's like a threat. They're threatening anyone who tries to cross them. We're going to take you to court and we're going to say that we, the hospital, had no fault in this. And it was all this one doctor. That's crazy because who gave the doctor the room? Who gave the doctor his own secretary who helped schedule these appointments? Right. Who gave the doctor a promotion to chief of endocrinology based on these studies? Who told them you maybe want an 18-year-old population? Not children. Um, I'm sorry. Who paid for all his supplies? In the book about homosexuality and the child. Thank you. Like, come on. Clinical psychologist Dr. Anna Salter testified in defense of St. Francis Hospital, claiming that Reardon was very good at fooling people, and as a result, St. Francis was just another victim of his deception and misconduct. Boo. You're wrong. The hospital is not a victim of shit. They're a victim of being dumb, dumb idiots and ignorant and also Catholic. (laughs) But clearly they knew what was happening to a degree at the very least. Absolutely. Attorney Timothy O'Keefe, who was working with several of the abuse victims, spoke about the hospital taking one of the cases to court and then backing down with the victim and settling. He said, We think it is disgraceful that the hospital and its insurers force the plaintiff and several other victims to testify publicly about their experiences of being sexually abused and exploited at the hospital before presenting a fair potential resolution of this claim. So he's calling them right out. He's like, you were going to settle this because you don't want it to go national. You don't want everybody to not like you, you still want donations, all this other shit. Right. Do not make these victims publicly testify about the hell that they endured as children. Yeah. 
when your whole intent was to settle with them? Why put them through the trauma? Why put them through embarrassment, potential for ruining their reputations, having them have to publicly say the awful things that were done to them as children when all along you were going to settle with them? Right. It's atrocious. It's disgusting. In the end of this May 2011 hospital lawsuit, St. Francis agreed to a settlement with 32 plaintiffs regarding negligence from the hospital that allowed for the sexual misconduct and abuse of the children for so long. By April of 2012, St. Francis Hospital, as well as its insurers, that's very important because they're backing them up and giving them cash money, Hmm. had settled with pretty much all of the remaining 150 victims that had filed lawsuits. Jesus. In light of this incident, there was a bill. House Bill 5473, to be specific, of course, proposed that would abolish the statute of limitations among sexual assault cases so that all of George's victims could get financial compensation for what they had to endure. Which I think is wonderful. Absolutely. Perfectly appropriate. Yep. And that would be so beneficial going forward, too, for other victims of other cases, of course. Yeah. To no one's shock, a shit ton of bishops opposed the bill. Of the Catholic Church? Uh, of the very the very same. The very one. No way. That made me really stop and think, because I was like, okay, legislation, okay, a bill. Why are bishops able to go in and oppose a bill? Like, what the fuck happened to separation of church and state? Ah. Where's that? If you want to ignore it, you can. That's why. Uh-huh. And we're seeing that a lot these days with Explain. gun reform mm-hmm. and schools. Abortion. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, oh, it's not interesting. Their names were <clears throat> Bishop Henry J. Mansell, Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Hartford, Bishop William E. Laurie, Roman Catholic Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, Bishop Michael R. Cote, and Roman Catholic Diocese of Norwich, Connecticut. They all felt as though the bill would then allow claims that are 70 years or older to be addressed. I wonder why they would be so concerned about that. If any of you guys happen to recognize those names in a very unfortunately personal way, I would maybe talk to your local um, police department just just to maybe, you know, chat and kind of bring some attention to clearly the wrongdoings that they're trying to hide. Mm. By doing that, they are openly saying that they were abusing children. Absolutely. Or they knew of abuse occurring. Yep. They stated their concerns were that, quote, key individuals are deceased, memories have been faded, and documents and other evidence have been lost. I wonder how they got lost. Hmm. And that the majority of cases would be driven by trial lawyers hoping to profit from these cases. Yeah, well, you sexually abuse someone. They can make profit off of helping an abuse victim. <laughs> right. Like, And just because memories fade doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Documents lost? Interesting. Uh, should we explore that a little bit more? Like, where were they lost at? Right. In the church basement. In like- the church coffee room. In the church <laughs> kitchen. And the... The coffins in the church basement, probably. The church place. fireplace, oh, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there we go. The garden. The bishops then wrote a statement to the members of their parishes, the priests within those parishes, as well as the general public that stated, 
This bill would put all church institutions, including your parish, at risk. That is why it is important for you to join other Catholics across Connecticut in opposing this legislation. How are they able to do that? How are they able to say, we don't like this bill, go oppose it, support your church? Yeah, that's incorrect. The bill ended up being blocked. No. Yep. Because of that. Yep. Jesus Christ. It is thought that George Reardon sexually abused at least 500 children. However, investigators believe that the real number of children he sexually abused is likely in the thousands. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, but I believe that's probably more accurate. That's heartbreaking. Thousands of children. One man. Yep. Ridiculous. So disturbing. And it went on for so fucking long. So long. It's ridiculous. It's so awful. And I'm so sad for the victims who got those phone calls saying, hey, you're in photos. Yeah. And I'm so sorry to any victim who did not feel as though they could come forward. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. And did not get financially compensated. And I'm so sorry for anyone involved in that who maybe had family that was part of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if someone did that to thousands of people, it's very likely that, especially in that area still, you could know someone who went through that or had a loved one who went through that. And it's it's so awful. Like that kind of abuse is something that you really don't forget or fully recover from. Absolutely. That's a lifelong injury. Especially in your formative years as a child. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, let us know what you think about this horribly disturbing case. Obviously, it's a very graphic, very serious case, but we always want to know your thoughts and what you were feeling, what you were thinking during the case in the episode. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at TrueCrimeNE. All lowercase. Or you can send an email with your thoughts at TrueCrimeNE at gmail.com. We also have a website, truecrimene.com. We have a contact page where you can send us your thoughts on this case, other cases we've covered. Maybe go back and listen to the Spotlight episode. I know we mentioned that a couple times here because there is a lot of correlation. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts on that one as well. Give us suggestions for cases that you would like to hear us cover based in New England, please. Share with us your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns. If you scroll down a little further, there is our Buy Us a Coffee link. You can click the button that says thank you and go to our Buy Us a Coffee page. Purchase us a coffee, well, myself a coffee, and Liz a non-caffeinated beverage. Yeah, hot chocolate. (laughs) However, there is never any pressure to give us money. Donate your money, just not to the Catholic Church. Correct. And we just really appreciate you guys being here and listening, especially for episodes like these where we get very passionate and we talk about some hot topics. Very disturbing, difficult things to hear. And you guys are here with us and we're glad. We appreciate you guys so much. Always and forever. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.